Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Blockade Runner podcast. My name is John and with me today, as always, is Ryan. And today's episode is going to be mostly about Star Wars Resistance, No Escape, Parts 1 and 2. If you've been listening the last few weeks, you know that we did our sort of like back half of Star Wars Resistance episode uh, just a couple episodes back. But um, that was right before kind of the finale episodes had aired. And uh, so we want to spend some time talking about No Escapes Part 1 and 2, which were really good, but did feature some escapes. But that's uh, we'll, we'll get into that when we when we get uh, there. But uh, <laughs> before it's you know the title is like not completely accurate. I feel it's like it's a there bit of are, a misnomer. Yeah, it, it there are some escapes. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, before before we get to that, uh, we want to jump into uh, just a couple of news stories, and we'll try to make them relatively quick. But uh, that's not necessarily our um, our specialty, as Obi Wan Kenobi would say. But mm. uh, but we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll work through them and. If you've been listening, uh, again, the last few episodes, you know we've been talking about Star Wars Celebration quite a bit. Can't help it. Too exciting. And um, uh, like we said last time, if you're going or if you're not, it's going to be a pretty exciting couple of days for Star Wars fans. So a uh, few stories we want to talk about uh, related to that. And the first one is a doozy. It's a big one, Ryan. Mm. And it's one that I've kind of been hoping for, which is some discussion of how they're going to handle um, the tens of thousands of fans that all want to get into the same panels, um, how they're going to deal with crowd management. And yeah. Um, yeah, they put up a big story about how they're going to do a panel system and a lottery system. Um, and it's going to be kind of handled uh, through the website and the online app. Um, and it all sounds pretty good, I think. I've been to a bunch of celebrations, but very few conventions outside of that. Have you ever been to a convention that uses like this, like online kind of crowd management sort of setup at all? Um, maybe. Um, but typically the panels that I go to are, um, you can basically just show up 10 minutes before and like get a spot. Like, yeah. Maybe not in the front row, but you can get a spot. Right. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so and I think that'll be the case really with a lot of the programming at Celebration as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to putting up this story about how they're going to handle the crowds for the panels, they also put up um, like yesterday or two days ago maybe the uh, the full panel schedule, uh, which we'd been waiting for, and I'm I'm really excited is up. But um, looking through that, it's like there's actually not that many panels on the Celebration stage. And then even like with the Twin Suns and Galaxy stages, there's only a handful of panels on those stages each day. And like those are the ones that are going to be maybe a little bit difficult or a lot difficult, depending on which ones we're talking about. But those are the ones that are going to be tough to get into. And then you look at like the fan stage and the collecting stage and the podcast stage and like all the other things that are going on. And I don't anticipate those ones are going to be too tricky um, to get access to. So when it comes to like this whole like, crowded panels like you know um freaking out about getting into them sort of thing there's i don't feel like there's that many that are really going to be a struggle but the ones that are going to be a struggle are are the ones that everybody's like very anxious about um and those are primarily the first ones on the celebration stage each day uh and then some of the the more exciting ones i guess on the galaxy and twin sun stages so um in any case the uh the name they're using for this whole program is light speed you know, which is kind of nice. That makes it fun. Um, it's our light speed panel reservation system. 
Um, and I'll tell you what, if you check out, which we'll link to in the show notes, but if you check out the story on starwars.com, it is extensive. Um, it is detailed and, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my head was swimming a little bit the first few times I read it. I think I kind of have it worked out now how it's going to yeah. work. Um, are you, do you feel like you're pretty clear on it these days or? I, I feel like we're like, I get it. Um, I feel like we're not going to know how it, like if it's a good or bad thing until it happens so like there's the i mean overall i think it's um like i'm happy with this choice it like really makes it easy to plan um because you you'll either know are you going to this panel or are you not there's no like waiting 12 hours in a line and being like, maybe I'm going to this, maybe not. Like, you spend that 12 hours sleeping or hanging out or doing whatever. And, like, that's that's cool. I like that. Um, but I feel like we're really not going to know the extent of this until, like, we actually, you know, sign in and do it. Like, I mean, hopefully everything works. Um and uh i think if it like works the way it's intended and um you know everything saves and um you know it's tied to your account or whatever like i think it's going to be fine like i yeah. think it will be um good but if there's technical issues either in the reservation process or on the day of the uh, panel then I think, like, whoops, that sucks. But, like, they can't... I mean, this is a trial run for this. Like, I'm I'm almost expecting some things to go wrong to a degree. Yeah, I mean, for Celebration it is, but Celebration is hosted by ReadPop, and um, I know that people have been talking about this for, like, at least a year, that they thought that ReadPop might do something like this at Celebration because they've been doing this at other conventions they run. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't think it's totally a trial run for ReadPop, although I don't know if any of the conventions that they do are like approaching the scale of this Star Wars celebration, which is like the biggest Star Wars celebration ever, and they're already like really big, <laughs> um, yeah, and tons and tons of people. But I, I, that's one thing that makes me really happy is is that they're doing the reservations for the celebration stage, um, and for the the streaming of those first panels every day, the celebration panels on the Galaxy and Twin Sun stages, they're doing those from Thursday the 28th through Wednesday the 3rd. So, like, all of the, like, signing up for the panels and all that stuff is going to be taken care of, like, long before you actually get to celebration. So if it was like, oh, well, you register for Friday's panels on Thursday and Saturday's panels on Friday, like, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. And I feel like there would be a lot of room for things to go really badly. Um, but you're going to be, you're, you're going to know um like if what panels you got into i'm assuming on the third maybe or the fourth because you have to claim it by the fifth of april okay yeah so i mean and then i think you get i don't know if they scan the qr code on the back of your pass or not since i don't actually have one of those and Mm. uh, you do and a lot of other people that are going to celebration do but i don't have one yet i don't know Uh. why um, but, uh, um, I know that you, you've been canceled from the fandom. <laughs> maybe I have, I don't know what I did. Exactly, You're too but, uh, problematic. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's because I ordered, 
um, badges for my kids like way, way later, like only like two months ago or three months ago. Mm. Um, and uh, so I'm assuming my order is getting fulfilled later because I have like a later order because I bought my five day pass on day one, you know, and I think you did too. And so did Chris and other people I know that have gotten their passes in the mail. Um, and I haven't even gotten an email about when it's coming. And I'm assuming that's because it's got to be, be, I hope <laughs> it's got to be because of the late purchase of the kids passes, but I'm going to call them this week if I don't get something soon. So make sure we get it worked out. But, uh, I can pick one up at the, at the thing if I have to, you know, if they flub the shipping of my badge or whatever. So I'm not too worried about it because even if you don't have your badge in hand, um, you can just use the email address or the confirmation code when you ordered your passes to um, sign up for these lotteries. So you don't actually have to have the badge because there's plenty oh, of people. Oh, nice. That's well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that are doing will call, I think. Yeah. Or at least some people that are doing will call. Um, and then I know like, uh, or I've, I've kind of figured out, it seems like that the, the um, podcasters that were chosen for the podcast stage or, or people who were chosen to like present panels and stuff, I think they get like a presenter badge, so they probably got refunded if they purchased a five-day pass or whatever. So then, but I think in that case, they're probably picking them up there rather than having them shipped to them or something. I don't know, but yeah, something that I just saw on Twitter this morning, which kind of sucks for uh, presenters, is that um, Charlotte from Sky Talkers tweeted that. Um, special guest and exhibitor badges are not eligible to participate in the panel lotteries. No way. Yeah. Ouch. Wow. That, that stings. That really stings. That's a bummer for them. That sucks so bad. Yeah. Oh man. Ouch time. Um, okay. Well, so (laughs) when, so anyway, um, As far as the panels go, though, you know, we're going to sign up for these panel lotteries like next week um, into the following week. And then we're going to find out, you know, the week before celebration, which ones we got into. So that's cool. Um, What's not so cool is that like Ryan, you and I are going with, you know, two of our friends um, that we're staying with and traveling with or whatever. But then we also have a bunch of other friends that are going to be there. Um, And the way the panel lotteries work is like your uh, badge or your the receipt or whatever you want to call it gets entered in um, to the panel. And then any other passes that you bought on your order can get into that panel with you too. Um, but uh, there's no way for you and I to be like, well, we both want to go to this panel. So um, that's a little bit of a bummer. I mean, it's good because it would keep families together, you know? So if I had bought one for me and a- another family member or like a couple people in my family or whatever, um, you know, this way, we'd all get in together. But if I, you know, if you're just going with other people, you know, or, you know, maybe like my brother's going, okay, we're family, but we didn't buy our passes together. So we're not getting into the same panels unless we're lucky. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of a, I don't know. It's just the way it goes. But overall, you know, there's no perfect system they can implement here. So I'm pretty happy with this. Uh, I don't want to sleep out over overnight, but I was, you know, seriously considering doing it. And then this way, it's just like, if I get in and I get in, if I don't, it's not my fault and I don't have to like fret about it and freak yep. out about it, you know? So <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if like, I guess if none of us get into like any of the panels, like we can just stay at the Airbnb and watch it on a laptop. We could, although actually I think what I want to do if we don't get into a morning panel, um, 
because you can get in through the lottery. You have to get in for the Galaxy and Twin Sun stages. Even those are lottery too. Okay. Um, so like, which just I think goes to show like how many people are going to be there every day, and mm-hmm. them knowing that like, hey, we're going to have fifty thousand people there that day, but we have fifteen thousand seats available. So like, we can't even you know we got a lottery the whole thing for the first panel. Um, and those are just made up numbers, but you know, an example of probably what the situation is. Um, but what I would like to do if we don't get into those panels is, uh, just get to the convention early, try to get in line to get into the building, you know, cause that's a little bit of a struggle, which is also why I think these panels are starting at 11 AM instead of 10. Um, cause like mm. the show probably opens at 10 and then there's like nothing happening until 11 because they need that hour just to get all the bodies into the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which will be a nightmare on the first day. Um, it always is. But anyways, uh, I would like to get there early and just make a beeline for the Star Wars show stage because um, the panels will be streaming there as well. And oh, it's, okay. It's really fun. It, well, at least last last time around, it was really fun to be like at that Star Wars show stage. Um, and uh, then you can even see, like I saw myself in the stream last year, Ryan, which was really fun. Wow. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, boy, uh, the other thing that's a little bit uh, interesting about this whole scenario is that um, apparently if you don't claim your reservations by uh, midnight central time on April 5th, then they get released. And I think at that point, people can grab those reservations or grab those open spots on the app or on the site. Yeah, I think like my two questions I still have is like, what about... Um, people who, uh, get in the lottery, so they, so someone who actually, like, they get in the lottery, they, um, you know, get there, they confirm it, whatever, and then they don't show up to the panel, like, are there going to be people, like, looking for empty seats, uh, how's that going to go? Or is it just like if you buy a concert ticket and you don't go, like n- no one gets your seat or anything or s- your standing room? Like, uh, I wonder how that's going to go. And then also, like, when you get in the lottery um, and you get a spot to a panel, do they assign you a seat or is that still first come, first serve? There are seating sections. They assign you a seating section, but not an actual seat. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Because I saw some people kind of uh, being upset about that. Like, I'm going to sit next to people I don't know because I didn't buy my pass with somebody else. But you just you just get assigned to different sections, you know. Which, if my biggest problem that morning is I'm sitting next to somebody I don't know in the episode nine panel, like, no problem. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to going to a movie in the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. right, right, (laughs) Or riding public transportation. Right. 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 It happens. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. But. yeah, no, that should be okay. But I will tell you this much. Um, I was talking to Chris on the phone yesterday about all this stuff. And, like, at, at, you know, having been to, I don't know how many celebrations at this point, quite a few. Um, the organizers always have the best intentions as far as, like, how this stuff is going to work out. And then the uh, convention goers always have the best intentions of breaking those rules and scamming the system. So there will be people there that are figuring out ways to screw this up and, like, sneak into these panels. And I know, like... With the 40th anniversary panel, uh, I'm pretty sure, like based on what I read on Twitter and what people were saying at the convention and stuff, that there was 
a fair number of people who stayed out overnight and didn't get in and like know that uh, other people like snuck in or, you know, um, basically like one of their friends spent the night overnight and then somehow they weaseled their way in with that person, even though they weren't there. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, like people figure out ways to. Oh yeah. It, so yeah, it, it sucks. And, and, and like, you know, um, I wouldn't do that myself because like I have more respect for the other people at the, the mm-hmm. thing than that to like try to screw over other people who've worked really hard to get into something. But, um, you know, you just have to, yeah, see what happens, I guess. And 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 then the thing is, like, too, like once that first panel is over at the Wind Trust Arena at the celebration stage, there's no reservations the rest of the day. So if you get into the first panel, you can stay all day. But also, you know, you can just show up and hope that there's room and get in. So I'm assuming that'll be the case with the first panel too. Like, if there's 200, because it's probably like 10,000 people are going to put in there. I'm I'm assuming, or 8,000 people or something like that. It's an arena. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of people. There's got to be at least a couple hundred that had reservations but didn't get, you know, on the bus in time or slept in late. Yeah. They were up all night partying or whatever. You know what Woo. I mean? Like, so I would assume they're going to let people in. Like, that's, yeah, that's outside. what I was saying earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I know they're going to do that with the rest of the panels at the, at this, at the celebration stage throughout the day. So why not do that in the morning too? So. You'll have people lined up there at 6 a.m., I'm sure, hoping that they're going to be that person, you know, and just whatever. Yeah. But. No. I mean, yeah, we'll just, I guess we'll just see. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really say, like, it's impossible to say if this is, like, a good system, a bad system, or what, until, like, we we see it through to the conclusion. Yeah. And I think, like, no matter what happens at Celebration, like, something's going to make you mad or like something's not going to work out the way it should. So it's oh, like, yeah. well, something about this might not work out perfectly, but guess what? Like when we just lined up and hoped <laughs> that things went well, like something always didn't work out perfectly then either. So I think it yeah. seems to me like a better system and like, it's going to be at least take some of the stress out of like not knowing, like you said. At the exactly. Start, you know? Like just peace of mind. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, and the other thing that's cool too, um, that we haven't talked about, we'll just talk about quickly and then move on is that, um, for the Galaxy and Twin Sun stages, after they stream the first panel of the day, um, their other panels that are happening throughout the day have a reservation system, not a lottery system. So as far as I can tell, you can you can make one reservation per day if there's availability for those stages. So let's say like we really want to go to the Hasbro panel, which is on either Galaxy or Twin Suns. I can't remember which one. Um, mm-hmm. You can line up to get into that panel, but a certain number of seats at that panel will also be held for reservation, and anybody can sign up for one a day if there's availability. So it's not like if you don't get, if you're not able to sign up, you can't go. That's not the case, but you can sort of ensure that you get to go to that one panel you really want to be at each day as long as there's some space available. Okay. So I think that's good because it's like, oh, hey, they announced our our lottery and reservation system, and it's like, well, what's what do you mean reservation? It's a lottery, right? It's like a cross your fingers. Yeah. But but for the smaller panels on galaxies and uh, galaxy and twin suns, there actually is something of a a reservation um, system if there's availability. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that should be nice. Again, because it's like a mix, you know what I mean? That's what I like about it. It's a mix of reservations and, well, you didn't get the reservation, but you can still line up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the idea of, like, 
just knowing if you're in or not and not having to like plan like well I can't go to these three panels because I need to stand in line for three hours to maybe get into this panel yeah like totally yep yeah. I did that for Star Wars or Star Wars um Rebels one year they were showing the first episode or two of like the next season that was coming up mm-hmm. dude we we waited like five hours to get into that panel so it pretty much like our Saturday was gone yeah um, we did a couple things in the morning and then we just like sat in line for the rest of the day so, yeah kind of sucked but it was mm-hmm. cool but it kind of sucked also um yeah so okay other celebration news uh Hayden Christensen is is coming to celebration which will be cool mm-hmm. um and Ryan, I have a question for you because when you texted me this, you said that he was uh, referred to as the final announcement yeah. for Celebration, but I'm not seeing that anywhere. Where did you see that? Um, I saw it uh, on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, so, oh, jeez. I, I mean, you don't have to find it now. I was just curious yeah. like, if it, because I'm reading like the press release and stuff and I don't see anything about him being the final announcement, so. I was wondering if that was from an official source or if somebody jumped to that conclusion or something, you know? Um, it's It was official-ish. Um, uh, I'll keep looking as where. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, this is cool. Like, he's showing up. He's doing um, photos and autographs, but I don't see him listed on any panels anywhere. Um, like, I don't see he doesn't have his own panel. And I was like, oh, well, he'd be on the episode one panel, but, like, no, probably not. Uh, he's not in episode one, so I don't think he'd be on that panel. So um, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm excited. I love Hayden Christensen. And it was really cool having him at Celebration in 2017. But uh, I'm not going to pay for his autograph or photo. Like, that's not really what, that's not my scene, you know? Yeah. So yeah. he might as well not be there for me if uh, <laughs> if all he's doing is the photos and autographs. So, um, But then the other thing about that is, is as far as him being the final announcement uh, or the final sort of, uh, celebrity or whatever you want to say that's going to be there. Um, it's like, whoa, is Mark Hamill really not coming to Celebration this year? Because um, I would like to see him on the Episode 9 panel. And if he's going to be on the Episode 9 panel, I would really think he'd be, um, you know, doing other stuff too. But, hey, we've seen the whole schedule now, and he doesn't have any sort of panels of his own. And that's, I mean, he usually always would. So... I'm thinking he's not going to be there, which just makes me feel weird. <laughs> and I've, seen, I've seen him do panels and solo panels and like all kinds of stuff at Celebration in years past. So it's like for me, like um, it's not so much that like, oh, I need I really need to go see a, a Mark Hamill panel because um, I've done that a number of times. But for me, it's just like it feels weird for him not to be there at this point, like. Uh, he's just been to so many now, and he's just such like a fixture, and he's such a uh, he's just like such a bubbly and positive like Star Wars you know presence that uh, it just makes me feel strange <laughs> for him not to show up if he's not going to be there. Yeah, but like, there's also at least for like the major panels, there's also unannounced people who show up. Yeah. Like, they they don't, like, oh. you know, put everyone on there. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. And, I mean, like, the Episode 9 panel, we basically, they have barely announced anybody who's going to be on that panel. Pretty much, they haven't announced anybody who will be there, you know. And a lot of the cast will be there, so he could be part of that. But, um, 
it would be weird for Mark Hamill to be at Celebration and not be doing his whole like song and dance that he does, you know, because he's got to be the most popular probably autograph and photo op. And he's really good at just like, you can just put a chair and a microphone on a stage and then like bring oh, yeah. Mark Hamill out and he will just like entertain, you know? So the idea of him being there, but then not having him do a panel just, it seems weird, but I guess it's possible. Or maybe he's not going to show up. I don't know. He's been a little more vocal about being dissatisfied with his <laughs> the, the way they've used him in the uh, sequel trilogy. So maybe he's just not feeling it this time, which bums me out. But I guess we'll see. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a work. You think so? <laughs> I think so. Oh, um. So, okay. So here's what I read. I've, I found it. Um. This is from Darth Von Olin, who is the... Um, top star wars authentics guy who's organizing autograph talent for star wars celebration um hayden christensen was just revealed as the final autographing and photo op guest of star wars celebration chicago okay okay well that's pretty official then because um like we've mentioned a few times here the panel schedule is out and uh, we know who's going to be doing panels and stuff and i guess we know who's going to be autographing too so um, obviously we're hoping there will be people at the, uh, at the, the episode nine and the Mandalorian and the Phantom Menace panels that are not announced for other things. But as far as like full, um, scheduled guests, then I guess Hayden's the last one. Last autographing guest. Well, right. But th- I'm saying, yeah, yeah, right. We like, we know there'll be surprise guests, but there won't be any guests at panels that haven't been announced because the panel schedule's out and the mm. autograph and photo panel is out. The the <laughs> the panel schedule's out. A lot of panels still don't have descriptions. And a lot of... Um, there are some panels that if you look through the schedule that was released on StarWars.com, um, there are some panels that like don't have any description at all and are just like uh you know follow on the star wars app for more information Ooh, is that even like on the big stages like uh, uh on the galaxy in um i believe so okay okay yeah interesting well like i said you know we're really hoping for people like uh, well, Rick McCollum, um, mm-hmm. but like the whole cast of episode nine and a bunch of cast members from Phantom Menace. And, you know, hopefully like well, you got to figure John Favreau is going to be. I think they've announced him, haven't they, for that Mandalorian panel when they announced the Mandalorian Ooh. panel that Dave Filoni and John Favreau would be there. Um, but, you know, there's going to be big names at all those panels that just won't do anything else the whole weekend. So, um, yeah. And, and that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um Okay, uh, another thing real quick, uh, ILM X-Labs, Vader, and Mortal will be at Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a panel for that, and that's exciting. Um, it, for me, it's more like, it's less like I want to hear about it from David S. Goyer and the other people working on it, you know, no disrespect to them, but more like I'd like to put one of those headsets on and, like, <laughs> try it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to have, uh, they're bringing an interactive preview of the game, to celebration and it's going to run like so the panel is on friday at 1 30 and then after that the preview is supposed to run throughout the remainder of celebration so it's going to be um going on the rest of of celebration but uh in my experience that's the kind of thing that you know is also going to have a pretty long wait associated with it um i think it was in anaheim would it have been anaheim or orlando i think it was anaheim 
there was like a, a Battlefront demo going on. And man, that line was, it's like four hours if you want to play 10 or 15 minutes of this PlayStation game that's coming out later in the year, you know? So yeah, <laughs> the idea of like how long the line would be to try this VR experience, um, mm-hmm. hard to say, but I think it could be lengthy. So we will see. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a panel I want to go to. Um, I like, it's most likely, um, you know, if the panel ends and I'm interested in it, I will probably just be like, cool, I'm going to buy that. And then, like, <laughs> that'll be it. Like, I don't, I don't know. VR, like, public demos are cool. They're also kind of weird and gross because you're, like, putting on a helmet that, like, someone just used before you and, like, hundreds of people have used before you. And it, like, goes, like, right on your face. Um, and they just use like a Clorox wipe on it before, because <laughs> I did a bunch. I did the PSVR demos a few times um, at Best Buy's, and I don't know. It was always kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. And also, people like watch you sit in a chair and like move your head around and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of discomfort there. <laughs> I think I could go for it. I did one with um, the niece at the Nissan booth. They had one uh, at the last celebration because um, nice. they did a little VR experience with their their tie-in with star wars and it was pretty cool um but uh yeah i mean i I can feel like for you ryan like you have a vr helmet you know what i mean like so you can do vr sometimes and like kind of get that feeling where it's like for me like i've almost never done any like legit vr um Mm. so it's one of those things too it's like i've never done any star wars vr anything except for that nissan thing which was like you're driving a car and there's stormtroopers around you which was cool but i don't think quite the same thing Mm -hmm. um so to me, it's a little more exciting just because it's like, well, what would it be like to do like Star Wars VR, you know, because I've never really done it. Um, it's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> like if I could go home and like put on my helmet and, <laughs> for my PS3 or PS4, I mean, and uh, and just do that like Battlefront mission thing that you've done, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, I can wait for the Darth Vader thing. But yeah, for me, it's like I can't, I've never, you know what I mean? So it's just a little more exciting in that regard. For sure. Yeah. Uh, last thing. Um, well, it's not really celebration related, but a little no, bit. No, I uh, I put it in the celebration. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, it didn't fit in resistance. <laughs> we got a little update on Black Spire by Delilah S. Dawson um, mm-hmm. coming out later this year. Um, so what are we thinking on this one, Ryan? I'm thinking this book is going to be awesome. Um, so here's the synopsis. After devastating losses at the hands of the First Order, General Leia Organa has dispatched her agents across the galaxy in search of allies, sanctuary, and firepower. And her top spy, V. Marathi, may have just found all three on a secluded world at the galaxy's edge. So, um, and there's more in the synopsis, um, but that kind of sets it up. So this is... V or Vi, I'm not actually sure how to say it, uh-huh. but um, it's the spy character from the bookend portions of Delilah Stassen's Phasma novel, which um, I think we are both kind of in agreement that those were like the best parts of the book. Mm-hmm. And so this, I it's taking place after. The Last Jedi, correct? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, that's that's yeah. like what's really intriguing about it is it says after taking devastating losses from the First mm-hmm. Order. Well, I don't 
think they'd really taken devastating. I mean, they could they could explain it away. They could be like, oh well, the resistance had a couple of ships out on wherever, and you know, Leia was trying to argue to the Republic that they needed more support because the First Order attacked. They just took out four of our X wings, or you know what I mean. Whatever they could, mm-hmm. they could spin it that way. But the way it's phrased there um, really makes it seem like it must be after Starkiller Base and you know the Battle of Crate and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, no, this is just really exciting. The cover looks amazing. Um, I yeah, really sorry, love and that dispatch your agents across the galaxy in search of allies, sanctuary, and firepower. That's like totally after the Last Jedi. It, it seems like, right? I mean, that's what yeah. happens at the end of the Last Jedi, yeah. to a certain extent. Well, yeah, yeah, like I mean, she doesn't really like dispatch agents at the end of the Last Jedi. She puts out a distress call, but maybe that's part of it <laughs> well they're they're in need of allies sanctuary and firepower after the last jedi and they're just escaping from crate at the end of the movie but i guess it really feels like that's what she would do next is like we yeah have 40 people on this ship we're gonna send a couple of you this way a couple of you this way a couple of you this way and like try to disperse and let's see if we can get something cooking here yeah 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 okay but yeah the cover is great as you said um and it, it certainly sounds like um because there's always the fear if you read a book like this, it's like, oh, is it just a book that's going to like kind of tell me about this, like advertise this place I'm going to go visit? You know what I mean? Um, but the way it's described here really makes it sound like a, a an exciting and um, uh, relevant and important story to kind of the sequel era timeline, which is what would make me most excited to read a new Star Wars book. Yeah. So the book comes out August 27th. And then uh, Galaxy's Edge opens May 31st in Disneyland and August 29th in uh, Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida. Mm -hmm. So it'll be sandwiched right between those two openings. Um, I'm hoping at Celebration at the Del Rey panel that we're going to hear about a Journey to Episode 9 type um, book program Mm -hmm. like we had for Force Awakens and, and Last Jedi. And I wonder if this could end up being part of that, you know, um, mm. and if, uh, if it doesn't say anything about that on here and maybe because of the Galaxy's Edge branding, they wouldn't want to make it, you know, tied to that um, necessarily. But at the same time, like they haven't even revealed the name of episode nine yet. So if there's going to be like a little banner across the top of the yeah. cover that says Journey to Return of the Jedi 2. Yeah, the <laughs> Journey to Return of the Jedi 2. They can't put it on there yet, you know, because we don't yeah. know what it's called. So um, that's that's uh, something to consider as well. For sure. Okay, I have two quick Mandalorian stories here, um, mm. neither of which uh, are, are too meaty or, or require too much commentary from us, but I think they're fun. Um, number one, Kevin Yost, who is uh, on Twitter at, at TrailerDude. Um, follow him for uh, uh, his updates on, on all things Star Wars, and it's just cool you know, knowing this is the guy that cuts together most of the Star Wars trailers. Um, definitely all the animation trailers, but I think he works on the the feature film trailers as well. But Kevin Yost at Trailer Dude uh, tweeted about the Mandalorian panel and said that Celebration will be an event long remembered. Um, and, you know, I think we all assumed with them doing a Mandalorian panel that, yes, we're going to see some Mandalorian footage, but this guy puts together some pretty um, fist-pump-inducing, like, awesome Star Wars trailers, and uh, he's like, hey, check this panel out. So I think that's essentially confirmation that we're going to get a really... Um, good look at Mandalorian and a well put together trailer as well, you know. Yeah, not just some like scraped together highlight reel or something, but like a legit panel with like great music and dynamic, you know, editing and just it'll be really fun. 
Mm-hmm. So that is cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, really excited for that. And then also, um, John Favreau uh, posted on Instagram an image of uh, Taika Waititi doing ADR on The Mandalorian. And uh, the the image that he's looking at on the screen is <laughs> IG-88 or at least an IG-88 <laughs> style droid. Uh-huh. Um, so the popular opinion is, oh, whoa, he's voicing IG-88, which he might be. But then my thing is like, well, he's going to watch a scene play out as he's doing ADR. So just because IG-88 is on that screen doesn't mean that he's doing the voice of IG-88. Like he might be playing a character in that scene that's interacting with IG-88. And, you know, um, Favreau just didn't want to put that character up there. So, you know, put it there with, uh, or, you know, posted the image with IG-88 on the screen instead of whoever um, Tyka's character is. Yeah. And um, and uh, there's other IG droids um out there as well i actually like if you i don't i could not answer the question of is ig88 alive in like (laughs) this time period i have no idea like wait depends on if shadows of the empire is canon or not yeah no this is this is pre a new hope yeah right is what no. is mandalorian no no no, no. no it's no. after it's after it's, it's after the a- after return be- of the jedi yeah i think so okay yeah Jeez. um <laughs> there are like way too many timelines happening right now um there's really okay. only two there's before the original trilogy and after the original trilogy no i guess there's three before original trilogy after original trilogy after sequel trilogy yeah but what's after yeah. the sequel? actually no there's not there's two <laughs> Before OT, <laughs> after OT. That's it. <laughs> In okay. between Last Jedi and Episode Nine, I guess that's your other timeline. Sure. Um, okay, I still... <laughs> with that said, I still don't know if IG-88 is alive. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what IG-88 has been up to in the new canon. Um, he got up to a lot in Legends. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, so... It could be another, like, droid in that style. Um, but then also there's this, like, the helmet that's sitting there as well. Yeah. Which, like, uh, it's gold and red, it looks like. I don't know yeah. if that's just the, the way the lighting's making it look. But, no, I, th- uh, I, think the, I think you're right. I think it's gold and red. Okay. It's really dinged up. Mm-hmm. Um, very... Uh, it looks like a Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> yeah, but then my thing is, like, that's probably just there to look cool. You know what I mean? Just, like, to remind yeah. everybody, like, this is the show we're working on or whatever. Um, yeah. More than anything else. But I guess maybe they were like, hey, we want you to, like, look at your helmet while you're <laughs> doing voiceover just so you, like, remember who you are. You know? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it is also really awesome. Uh, I didn't know that I knew Taika Waititi was directing an episode and um, I don't know if he was writing the episode, but I know he definitely was directing an episode of The Mandalorian. I didn't know he was going to be voicing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anything. If they, I don't know if that was ever confirmed or anything. I mean, like I'm saying he might be full on acting in that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he might not be voicing a CG character or whatever. He might be like, you know, playing a character that's, you know, walking around and doing whatever. Because, 
Um, I know people like Bryce Dallas Howard is is um, directing an episode, and a lot of people assume that maybe she'll be acting in that episode or other episodes as well. You know, but I don't think they really confirm that kind of thing. So, um, but with Taika, it could be a very similar situation. You know, maybe he's well, definitely he's doing some kind of acting. It could be just like ADR for a robot, or <laughs> he might be playing yeah. a character in the show too. You know. So. Yeah. That's uh, really exciting because he is one of the legit funniest dudes in the world. Yeah. So and yeah. he's an amazing actor, writer, and director. So yeah. I'm super excited. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap up news. And uh, then we're going to jump into our discussion of Resistance, No Escape, Parts 1 and 2. Uh, mostly probably focus on 2 a little more than 1. But um, I don't think we ever talked about that episode either and they really are just kind of one long episode split into two Mm -hmm. um so uh we'll kind of talk about them together uh obviously we're going to totally talk spoilers and we're not going to hold anything back so um i would imagine you've either watched them or you don't care that much but if you do care and somehow you have not watched them yet um be warned we will be spoiling these episodes which are really good and uh, you should watch them one way or the other Let's blast some bucket heads. <laughs> Azuda, if you can leave Castellan, join us. Keep your head down until things cool off. Tim! The First Order has a way of making people disappear. We are the Resistance now, and we're taking back the Colossus. Hit it, Cal! Hey, frowny faces! After her! <laughs> Kaz, I'd fight alongside you any day. That is a truly amazing plan! So, uh, as uh, No Escape Part 1 opens up, the uh, Colossus has been put under martial law, basically, like, as a result of Kaz and the the good guys uh, sort of sinking the Colossus and putting most of it underwater. Uh, the First Order uses that as their excuse to say everybody's sort of confined to their rooms and you're, you're locked indoors and we're taking over. And uh, um, I just think it's interesting because it's like you're seeing, like, the fascist element of the First Order um, kind of on display um, almost more than than we've seen it in the movies. You know, it's like this uh, cartoon is like really clear about <laughs> um, the, the First Order kind of mirroring um, the, the, the actions and behaviors and policies of like actual historical uh, fascist regimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's pretty cool in a cartoon that seems to be targeted towards like six-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, also mirroring the actions of the Empire. Like, if there was, if the the stormtroopers didn't, uh, you know... Make it like, clear that the, yeah. the Empire is fascist. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, the, and First Order, like, using that uh, imagery by also having stormtroopers um, that are called stormtroopers. <laughs> um, 
I think, like, these actions are very uh, Empire-esque. They've kind of um, completely, at this point, like, they've just given up on that line of, like, oh, we're doing this to keep you safe. Like, that was, you know, obviously um, false to begin with. Um, but at this point, like, they're they're not keeping anyone safe. They're controlling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like totally. they don't care if these people live or die. <laughs> like, totally, and and Pyre has a line in there too where he says to um, Doza, like, "Well, remember, you invited us here, you know." Um, mm-hmm. Sort of like once you just they're like vampires, you know what I mean? Like once you give them that invitation, they're they're <laughs> in, and then you're screwed. So yeah, um, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, as the episode goes on, uh, we have a scene stealing moment with uh, Flix and Orca who mm-hmm. I really love these characters. I think I've talked about it a couple times um, previously, but I really, really love uh, these two characters. They're hilarious to me, Bobby Moynihan and uh, Jim. I think his name, oh, I forget the actor's name. He's he's hilarious. He's really good. I wish I had not just done that, but um, he's great. And anyway, <laughs> together they're fantastic. Bobby Moynihan will be at Celebration, so that's kind of fun. Um, probably at the Resistance panel, so that'll be great. Um, but yeah, they're hilarious, and they have this moment where they're like hiding in a, shipping container and they're getting shipped off to one or the other's mother ho- mother's house planet whatever <laughs> like we're gonna go stay with his mom you know yeah. um and it's just played so well the thing is so funny um yeah so i love that moment and they're like fine we'll scoot over you can come in yeah you can you can <laughs> hang out in this shipping container with us you know <laughs> it's really good yeah. so uh hopefully they're on the colossus uh i would assume they must be um they, they have to be so um we'll see more of them in, in season two but yeah man they're they were great um, another thing I, I wanted to mention here is that, uh, I was watching this episode, um, No Escape Part 1, and my youngest son, Elliot, who is five, um, just, like, unprompted, out of the blue, just, like, we were just watching it, and he looked at me, and he was like, Kaz is my favorite character from this show, you know? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, see that? Like, he's a great character, and he's, he's totally, um, Kaz is totally working, I think, for, um, the, the primary audience he's supposed to work for, um. He works for me pretty well too, um, but I think like you know for for he's supposed to be that that character that kids can relate to and and kids will kind of see themselves in and stuff and uh, totally my youngest son kind of validated that I think uh, as we were watching this so that was a fun moment for me. That's cool. Yeah. I mean he's wrong, but <laughs> that's still cool. <laughs> he's wrong that Kaz is his favorite character. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Let me break it down, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay um and then basically you get to the end of the uh episode i mean there's a lot of other things that happen but uh we're not here to just like you know summarize the episode but more talk about um, mm-hmm. what was interesting from it and uh i think at that point you know we get to the end which is the star killer base moment which um i've been kind of looking forward to since the the part two trailer you know season one mm-hmm. part two trailer came out um and we knew that uh star killer base um or at least um uh how am i forgetting the guy's name now uh hugs <laughs> yeah hugs uh yeah <laughs> general hugs general hugs yeah that he w- his uh his uh fascist speech again would be delivered um uh. which by the way like um on that whole uh fascist tip as it were um you know we see the stormtroopers do the whole like you know fist in the air thing in the force awakens but they totally do it like and it's emphasized here in star uh-huh. wars resistance as well it's like man this is some scary like yeah uh yeah 
you get it. It's fascist. It's scary. And uh, they're not backing away from that or shying away from that in this children's cartoon. So I like that. Um, but yeah, we get that moment. We get to see, you know, Hux deliver that speech. Um, we see the destruction of Hosnian Prime, which not sure logistically how the camera crew would be like covering that um, for the first order broadcast necessarily, but uh, it works. Um, but I thought that moment was great. Um, what, what did you think about that? That the way that was executed. Um. Yeah. No. It was cool. Like it. I think. Uh, like I get why they showed that part in the trailer. I kind of wish it would have been a surprise. Cause like I just I knew it was coming, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, here's this part. And they like they showed it in um a preview for the episode too. So like I'd seen that part twice before seeing it in the episode so then i was like oh it's this part like well, it it didn't really have like an impact but what we did see was kaz's reaction for the first time yeah yeah and you actually see it twice if you watch like once you watch no escape part two you see it again um yeah. as well so like you saw it twice before you watch the episodes and then once you saw the episodes you saw it two times um as well uh yeah, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point of, of, of having it there is because of what it means to Kaz, I think, um, mm-hmm. which that was really well done. Uh, Christopher Sean was great, and um, it was a you know, powerful moment, a really emotional moment, but I think at the same time, it's like, you know, because you hear um, valid criticism of, like, A New Hope and stuff like that. It's like, okay, Leia's whole planet was destroyed, everyone she'd ever known, and then she just moves on from it, and, like, she's more concerned about Luke than she is, like, you know. All that stuff is valid, but at the same time, it's like, well, what kind of movie are we making or what kind of story are we selling or what, what kind of medium are we working in? And this is a children's cartoon, so I think they did a really good job of like that moment has weight, it has emotion, the performance is good. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a powerful moment, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, basically the rest of the season or <laughs> like, you know, the next 10 episodes should be about like the emotional impact on Kaz if you want to like handle it realistically. And I don't think you do in a cartoon. I think you want to just like sort of stop and and pause and demonstrate like what impact it would have on Kaz and how emotional that would be for him. Um, But then also like continue creating a fun, you know, cartoon and, uh, and keep the action going and excitement going. And then we see in, in part two of this episode, um, there is another moment after they like, cause Tora says to him like, you know what, this is like awful, but we have to, keep moving like we have mm-hmm. to do that right now and she's right and then um when they uh when they help uh doza and yeager um get out of their cell uh there's like another great moment with yeager um where he kind of puts his hand on kaz's shoulder and tells him how sorry he is and i think they just did a really good job of balancing like keeping the plot moving keeping the excitement moving and then also kind of taking the time to kind of you know, um, demonstrate the the emotional weight of what just happened. Yeah, and I also think, um, you know, people criticizing um, both Hosni and Prime, which also was criticized in um, Force Awakens um, because, like, it's, like, these planets just got blown up and, like, people are like, whoa, that sucks, and then, like, move on. Um, and, like, you know, there's more of a reaction to, like, from the characters to like Han Solo's death. Um, but I think like also something to consider 
we don't know how the the human mind would react to a planet being destroyed. Like we don't know what that looks like or feels like. Like I don't know what it's like to be in a spaceship orbiting Earth and then like see it just like explode. Like well, I don't know like what what does your brain even do? <laughs> like it just looks like a video game. <laughs> like yeah, sure. I mean, I think you'd feel pretty bad. I'm pretty sure you would. I think you would. But <laughs> like that's even like kind of to me it's like sort of removed from the point though, which is that this is like a space fantasy and um like it's just not I don't know. Um realism is not the point, you know what I mean? And so I, I don't know. It's like it it is part of the the formula for Star Wars, I think, is that you focus on the characters you're following and I mean honestly, like Luke Skywalker destroying the Death Star, that should be like probably like a life altering like he should be struggling with the consequences of that for the rest of his life. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And instead he just killed millions of people with one blast. You know what I mean? Like it it's an awful thing. It's horrible if you think about it. And and it's not like this is a it's a space fantasy it's that is the fist pumping moment at the end of a new hope because we know we're not dealing in anything close to reality it's just fun you know what i mean and so uh, i don't know i like the hosnian prime thing it's like i maybe they could have handled it a little better maybe they could have like you know demonstrated the the weight of that i mean i think the problem with hosnian prime in the force awakens is that you don't really understand what it even means, like as far as the Republic and yeah, I think that's the bigger issue than like the people don't give it or the characters don't give it the emotional like weight it deserves because mm-hmm. it's just not their story and and you know like I said it's it's we've seen precedent for this in in A New Hope and and in other Star Wars movies and it's just kind of the way Star Wars storytelling works and I think it's um how it should work you know it's just what the formula for Star Wars is so. Yeah, um, I mean, please look forward to my uh, nine-hour YouTube video of plot holes in <laughs> No Escape Part 1, yeah. uh, where I go deep into this. Um, no, I think, like, there's a time and a place. Like, I mean, what you were saying about, like, the Death Star, like, um, you know, once you... Like, it's absurd to go, like, too deep into it, because, like, then you get the conversation from Clerks where, like, Dante and Randall are talking about, like, union workers and stuff, like, on the second Death Star. Like, it's, um, you know, if you think about it too hard, like, it's, uh, uh, you know, whatever. But I also think there is a place for those stories, and, like, I, like, wouldn't hate, like, if someone you know, wrote a novel about, like, people on Hosnian Prime prior to the attack. Like, do that. Do that in a novel. Like, give us, like, the um, the full picture, the emotional weight. And that's one of the cool things about Star Wars is, like, you can do that. And un- you can tell that story in another medium. But for the point of the, um, you know, movie or... um animated series like there's just like you were saying like we can't just spe- spend all this time to like on 
Kaz reacting to it and like the emotional weight. A hundred percent. It's about the medium, you know, understanding the strength of each medium or whatever. So like if they wanted to put out even, even for resistance, if they wanted to put out like a series of, they did this with rebels. They had these, um, Jason Fry actually wrote them. I can't remember exactly what they were called, but he had a series of like, um, middle grade or whatever, like novels. Um, and they didn't like tell the events of resist or of rebels so much as they were like stories that supported it. But they were like the journals, like Sab- Sabine's journal. No, and no, no. Well, yeah, he did. Journal. He did those, but he had a whole series of books about that character. Um, I forget the name of the kid. Oh, that... the Empire kid. Yeah, the one that was in the in the, 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 the Imperial training program. Academy. With... Yeah, and his yeah, yeah, brother yeah. was it like Zare. No, uh, something with a Z was his name. Um, I forget now. I but, never read uh, those. Yeah, I didn't read them either. Sorry, Jason Fry. I wanted to. They look good. Um, yeah, and I like I love that Jason kid. Fry. Yeah. yeah so but anyway they, i mean they, if they wanted to do a series like that of books for um resistance and you know kind of flesh that moment out more in something like that i think that'd be great it's just like not this is not the right medium and it, this is not the yeah kind of the place for that i think so but we've hammered this point uh you know kind of well enough i think um at this at this juncture um but the other thing i wanted to point out too that uh just i i thought was fun and kind of interesting is the way that if you watch no escape part 1 and 2 back to back um you see that uh that star killer base moment twice um and it's like you see it from different camera angles and stuff in the second episode um at the beginning of you know part 2 so it's a little bit of a weird feeling like watching it play out at the end of episode 1 and then watching it play out again at the end of episode 2 but you're seeing it like from different angles and stuff and um, I, it, to me, it's just like I, 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 it's that feeling you get like if you've ever seen a sequel to a movie where in the opening of the second movie, they kind of like show the events of the end of the first movie again. I think they've done that. Like, don't they do that a little bit in Back to the Future movies? Um, it's been a while since I've really paid close attention yeah. to any Back to the Future movies. I know they did it in the beginning of Halloween 2 um, mm-hmm. where they kind of show the <laughs> end of the original Halloween and there's some footage from the original movie there that's the same, but then there's stuff that's reshot, and uh, it's just kind of like a weird deja vu inducing feeling, like when you see something from two different angles like that. So, and you can notice like the tiny little differences or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's just kind of cool, um, and that's where you get the stormtroopers like doing the fist thing more so in the second episode. So it uh, it has some value, but uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Niku's great in both episodes. He's hilarious in both. And I think uh I don't know how you feel, Ryan. I, I feel like when Niku and Kaz like have their their scenes together and Niku's being really ridiculous, um, it, it kinda helps Kaz be a little more likable because he can be a little more mature and more like he can be the one that's like not slipping on banana peels in those scenes because Niku's mm-hmm. handling the uh the comedy part. Um For sure. Yeah. So so that's good. Um, there's also the, the sequence where Niku and I think Kel are, um, down there in the engineering room, like deciding which doors to open and close, like, so they can flush out the, the stormtroopers, um, (laughs) which Niku gets really excited about that. He's like, oh my God, like we're going to murder these stormtroopers by drowning them in the ocean. Like this is going to be so much fun, (laughs) uh, which I, I don't know. I, I thought was funny, um, and weird. But uh, my thought as I was watching that scene is like, man, they need Ray from Jakku working these doors, you know, because in that mm. uh, in that Rathtar sequence, yeah, she was on it. She knew exactly when to close that door. And uh, Nico and Kyle seem to be just sort of uh, blindly uh, stabbing at the buttons, mm-hmm. hoping it'll work out. So <laughs> lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So maybe the force is on their side, and they they didn't quite realize it. Uh, uh, similar okay. to Ray, but not quite as <laughs> not quite as strong with them. I don't think. Um, there's the the whole tyranny Tam uh, sort of subplot going on in both of these episodes, and I think that's really really good. Mm. How was the food, Tamra? Amazing. I can't even remember the last time I ate this well. I'm glad. You deserve so much more than this station has to offer. Now, let's talk about your friend Kazuda again. I've told you everything. I had a feeling he was up to something, but I had no idea he was a resistance spy. And your employer, Jarek Yeager? <laughs> There's no way Yeager's a spy. He came all the way out here to get away from the military. I beg to differ. Because, um, like, we knew, I mean, we knew Hasdian Prime was happening. We knew, like, you know, they had released an image um, prior to these episodes of, like, uh, you know, a bunch of people from the um, crew, like, standing all together. So, like, we knew that, like, Jaeger and Kaz reunited, um, and, like, we knew who was, like, there. And But then, like, there was the, like, who isn't there. So then it's, like, who, you know who doesn't make it or who goes somewhere else. And so I think the, the Tam, um, you know, are, is she going to stay on the, with the Colossus crew or is she going to, um, go with tyranny and the first order. And I think like going into this episode, I had like very strong opinions, (laughs) about it um i i really thought um like the most interesting thing they could do is to have tam go with tyranny like that is what's going to be the best for the story it's not like the the happiest choice but it's i think what would make for the most interesting story and you know especially with all the seeds they had planted especially in the back half of the season, you know, with her, um, you know, her growing frustrations with Jaeger and Kaz, her, you know, talk about, like, um, you know, her grandfather's role in the Empire to put food on the table. And, like, just because, you know, just because you say someone's an enemy, like, doesn't really mean they are. Like, all that stuff, um like it it would have felt like a huge missed opportunity if she was like okay guys i'm coming back with you like um so i was really like tense about this cuz i wanted that to happen so bad which is weird to say like i wanted this character to join the not join the first order but to go with the first order um but then when it when it finally happened, like that scene was super cool. Like her, you know, making the making the choice and then getting on the ship with uh 
with tyranny um that made me really happy and we'll get to this when we talk like predictions and wants for season two but um that was like the biggest unknown for me and i was uh really excited when it like went the way that i was hoping it to go so i'm i'm trying to remember our conversation from the last episode we did about resistance but was i kind of on record being like nah she's not going with like um was was i sort of downplaying that like i thought it wasn't going to happen because now that i've seen it i'm like oh yeah of course it's the like i i i probably always knew it would be the most interesting thing to happen but i think part of me was like oh it's a kid show they're not going to have like this character go with the bad guys like it won't i don't know i don't remember if i said that or not but um uh after watching it and after you know hearing what you just said um you know for both of those reasons like yeah totally like this is for sure the best thing and honestly it's probably like the best part of this whole two-part um episode which is kind of what you were saying i guess but um yeah i agree yeah it's just like it's because everything else is sort of expected you know Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance like the fact that they the colossus uh leaves um castellan and is gonna be somewhere else in season two that is Mm -hmm. so cool and so exciting but at the same time like once niku was like oh that's a hyperdrive yeah the jig is up you know what's gonna happen yeah you know totally. what's gonna happen, and and this tyranny Tam stuff, like the will she won't she, um, it's I feel like they could have done it in a way that was too exaggerated or stylized or whatever, and it would have been cartoony, um, and I don't think it is at all. Like I thought it was, I don't know if subtle is the right word, but they they played it in a pretty realistic way, and they totally like left me guessing all the way up until the end of mm-hmm. which way was she gonna go, you know? And there's just little moments, like little things they did, like. And there was a scene where Tierney was like, come on, Tamara, let's go, you know, to wherever we're going. I can't remember where. Um, and she got kind of like, I can't remember. She she just like put her hand on um, Tam's shoulder or sort of reached her hand out to Tam, like come with me. And Tam was like, I'm not touching you kind of, you know, she didn't say mm-hmm. anything, but she just, just, it, I don't know. Like they did a really good job of building the whole, like Tam is, is feels betrayed by her friends and, she respects the first order, but at the same time, she can feel like there's something not right here, you know? Mm-hmm. And they kept, like, just sort of building that in a way that made a lot of sense and was pretty realistic. And so, like, all the way until the end, I was, I don't know what she's going to do. Um, but, yeah, it's so much more interesting now for her to be with the first order. And then, like, you know, there's going to be some battle in season two between the first order and, and uh, you know, the character, the crew of the, the Colossus. And they're going to come face to face probably as enemies and then there's the opportunity to try to win her back and then there's like now we have one of our own characters like embedded with the first order so like that's a whole nother opportunity for like a point of view um potentially i don't know if they'll if they'll really kind of do point of view sequences and scenes from from kaz's perspective or tam's perspective but they could and that'd be really interesting yeah yep (laughs) um cool so let's see. Oh, okay. So then as we get close to the end of the episode, um, we have, uh, uh, we have, um, well, okay. Well, one more thing about the, the tyranny Tam stuff in that moment when it was like, is she going to go with uh, tyranny or won't she? Um, tyranny was like up on the first order ship and she's like reaching her hand out to Tam. And, uh, number one, I thought the Yeager stuff was like really powerful in that moment. Like it was really cool to see Yeager like so desperate to get Tam not to like make that choice and to stay with him. Um, I thought that was really good. But then also, I, I thought it was really smart the way they had Kaz and Tora up on that balcony. And um, I don't doubt that it was intentionally recalling 
um, The Force Awakens when Rey and Finn are up on the balcony, like looking down at Han and Kylo Ren. I totally got those vibes from that. And um, I guess it could be, it could be just like a coincidence or whatever. But to me, it really felt like they were they were recalling that moment. Um, and I like that because that's like a tragic moment. And, and obviously Han is, uh, is killed there by Kylo Ren. And so, you know, seeing them up there, I was like, are they setting it up for, you know, Kaz and Tora to see Yeager killed the same way Ray and Finn saw um, mm. Kylo killed, you know? And obviously they didn't, but, uh, but I thought that was really smart and, um, and, and really well done. Yeah. Well, they didn't this season. Right. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I was watching uh, with my kids this morning, and Owen was like, "Do you think that guy with a beard is going to die in the next season?" Um, and I was like, "You know, I don't know. I he could, but I don't think he needs to." So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay, so we're approaching the end of the episode. We've got uh, one of my favorite moments of season one, which is hype phase on, and especially Aunt Z showing up, <laughs> and Aunt Z yep. just being up there in that gun turret. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Don't forget about Aunt Z. <laughs> <laughs> that, was that was great. Not a great Scottish accent, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, it was super good. It was super good. Uh, so that part was great, and and it's uh, really fun to have them back. Um, I kind of thought maybe we'd end up meeting up with them on Takodana rather than them returning, but uh, but uh, it was definitely cool to see them come back that way. Um, and then in so I guess the 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 episode pretty much ends with like a sort of a space battle or dogfight type sequence. Um, and it brings everything together. It brings mm-hmm. the aces pilots, uh, Kaz and Yeager and Tora, uh, the first order and the pirates all back together. So it all kind of comes full circle here in this, uh, in this final moment. And, um, what did you, what did you think about that, Ryan? what did you think about like bringing everything together in that one sequence? I like it. Um, I, there still was like a point where, like I want to know is it is Griff the dude who's like the ace pilot the Steven Stanton voice dude with the imperial tattoo yeah yeah I, like, I don't know if that's his name or not but I know who you're talking about okay I think it's I think it's Griff I don't know Griff Hanoran um, or something like that Hanoran <laughs> or something yeah great um <laughs> hey you I, asked I love I love Star Wars um <laughs> Yeah, like, there's still, like, I, I don't know. I think, like, I get, like, I get it. Like, there um, wasn't, you know, enough time. And it wasn't really the point of the story to tell more about, like, those aces and everything. But, like, it's kind of weird that, like, the dude who's, like, all decked out in, um, you know, like, the... Uh, the equivalent of like confederate flag <laughs> tattoos and everything is like yeah i'm going to take down these guys who are pretty much exactly like the <laughs> people that i idolize yeah yeah well yeah i see what you mean um to me i i read it as like there's some story there for why that guy yeah. used to be loyal to the empire and now he's not anymore um but that opens it up to a whole nother level of criticism, which is like you have this intriguing possibility that has not been in any way acknowledged at all. Like it's not only that they haven't done an episode about it, they have not acknowledged it in any capacity. So it's like, especially in a kid show, it's a little bit weird. Like 
why is this guy who's a good guy have this like tattoo? Like you will never see that guy on screen without seeing his Imperial insignia tattoo, mm-hmm. but there's like zero like um, acknowledgement of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really think it's a big problem or anything, but I see what you mean. But to me, it's like, okay, Tam goes with the First Order at the end of this episode. I don't think she will live the rest of her life as a First Order soldier, but she may become one for a while, you know? And so um, the story of like, what happens with her as a first order um, troop and then like what would happen to kind of remove her from that or, or kind of sour her on that and who she would become afterwards. Um, that seems like the kind of story that there probably is um, with the Griff fellow, uh, but we just don't know anything about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, there's, two of those stories happening in um, Resistance, because there's also uh, Doza. And Yeager. I mean, not with the First Order, but with the Resistance, and sort of like, what happened with him to, like... Yeah. Well, I guess we kind of know, though, don't we? I, yeah, I feel like Yeager's... I think it's, like, what... It's more interesting, like, the... Like, Doza's, um, you know, Imperial uniform and Griff, who... I'm just calling him Griff at this point. I don't know if that's his name. Um, his... Uh, you know, tats and everything like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Maybe a missed opportunity. Maybe just something we're going to get later. Like it's, you know, this is an ongoing series. Like they don't have to explain everything in the first season. Um, they don't have to explain everything as well. Like it's, it's art, it's entertainment. Like, um, it's not like a, a Wikipedia entry. Um, Ambiguity is good, especially in Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Um, then going back to your original question, um, Pirates Returning was cool. I mean, it, we kind of knew it was happening. Um, I'm glad. I think, you know, I think we talked and like, um, and I don't know if this was in text or like in the episode that we recorded, but like, you know, I know you said that there's a chance that we don't even we don't see Sonara again, and like that story's over. Um, did you say that? Was that you, or was um, that another podcast? Maybe I was, I was just probably wishful thinking if I said it because I don't really like oh. the pirates in Sonara personally. But oh, see, I think like the pirates are super important to this story, and I think that they're really compelling, like their role in the whole thing. Um, because they, you know, they got, they got swindled by the first order. Um, and I think, you know, how people like the pirates react to, um, everything that's happening. Like, I think that's another cool perspective to have, um, within Star Wars. And, you know, if it's happening in this show, like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, on paper, that sounds good. I just don't really like the, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel much, uh, connection or interest to Sonara for some reason. I know a lot of people really like her, so that's good. But, um, the other pirates are fine, I guess, but, um, just none of them I find that interesting on a, like, as far as characters go, you know what I mean? Um, Mm. especially like comparing them to like a, say, um, Hondo Anaka, you know, like there is a pirate I'm interested in because he's a bad guy, but I'm all, he's also really likable, you know, and, and it's sort of like a, will he, won't he do the right thing sort of thing all the time? You know what I mean? Whereas like, I feel like with these pirates, it's like, well, um, they're all just kind of gruff and like not 
super interesting except for Sonara, but like now you pretty much know Sonara is always a good guy. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I just like, for whatever reason, it's like when it's like, if there's a certain planet, you just like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but I just don't really like jive with it. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. Like this, I just, how I feel about the pirates. I don't know. They're just not, they're just there for me. Um, and when they showed up at the end of this sequence, it was kind of like, well, you got to do it because you got to get them off the Island or off the planet. I mean, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you're bringing everything else from the season back into this one sequence. So you kind of have to bring them back. But I just felt like I don't care about them being here. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's like they show up to like battle the first order, I guess, because they're mad at the first order. But like, they've also been this group that's been like terrorizing the Colossus the whole time. But now they're just going to like land on the Colossus and go party with them on, you know, whatever new planet they go to. And I guess there's the opportunity that when, whenever they get wherever they're going next season, it'll be like, tension between them and and the and the people that live on the classes that would make sense so maybe that'll be good but um yeah i don't know well i think that they're like it's they're taking some direction from sonara mm-hmm. at this point and like maybe there's been conversations you know on their pirate ship about like what they should be doing with their lives and i mean who knows but like they're definitely they definitely seem to be led by Sonara in this sequence. And I think that's like a I think that's pretty interesting. I think I like Sonara a ton as a character. Um I think she's um really uh really cool and you know, as complex of a character as we get on this show. And um I also like the possibilities, which you just kinda mentioned, of like just different perspectives and different dynamics um, on this ship. Um, You know, I think, like, that's what, when people are, like, stranded together with a problem, like, the more diverse the group of people is, the more interesting it is. Like, if, um, you know, if Lost had just been a whole bunch of people like Jack and Kate... Like, that wouldn't have made for a very interesting show. But because you had people who were so different and had so many different, like, agendas and histories, like, that's um, that's what makes those kind of stories um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Uh, my counterpoint, I guess, or, like, kind of where my experience with Star Wars cartoons goes is, like, to me, it's like, oh, well, the whole Mandalorian like plot and stuff in Star Wars Rebels is really interesting because it, it adds this other complex layer and stuff. But like every time there was an episode about the Mandalorian uh, stuff happening on Mandalore and everything, it was just kind of like, ah, man, I like this show for the Rebels and the and the Empire and the story of like um, uh, Ezra and Hera and Sabine and all that. And it, obviously the Mandalorian stuff was really critical to Sabine's story. But I felt like as that show went on, it like branched out into all these different directions um, where like, you know, part of the season would be about the, the conflict on Mandalore and, you know, um, part of the season would be about the, the rebels and the empire. And, you know, it would just go in these different directions. And usually like, I, I don't know, <laughs> I was like, just give me back to the heart of the show, which is what I really yeah. am here for more so than like, I, this, I don't think that's going to happen with the pirates though. I don't think we're going to end up on like a, the pirate planet and like, 
have like the warring factions of pirates and stuff like i think it's just going to be like these interesting different characters who are now on the colossus yeah if they just integrate those characters into like the primary storyline of the yeah of that then 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 that should be okay i guess but um yeah we'll see uh and and i guess there's there's the opportunity they could you know make sonara more interesting to me and you know kind of like win me over with her but uh um as far as season one goes, yeah, I don't know. She's just not my fave. You'll, you'll come around. Okay. Sonara's good. All right. Well, she is good. I mean, that, that's become clear. She's a good guy. <laughs> so, you know, that that's put to rest. Uh-huh. But, uh, She's yeah. on the light side of history. Yeah. Mm, yep. Okay. Uh, another thing I noted here about that final sequence is, like, seeing Tora and Kaz helmeted in their fighters, like, you know, in this, like, dogfight or whatever. It made me think... You know what? Like we didn't get as many Top Gun and like pod racing type feelings from this season as uh, as I think we as I wish we could have. You know, um, and like the show ended up probably being better than I really expected it to be, and the second half of the season ended up being just like awesome. Like I love it; it's really really good. But like seeing the original promo material for the show and like these blue skies and this beautiful ocean and like these ships cruising around, it was like dude, this is going to be, like, some seriously, like, gorgeous, like, Top Gun, like, speed racer, pod racing, like, just, I don't know. I felt like there could be some, like, fun racing stuff. And, and there was a little bit in the beginning, but um, the show just does not have, it's, it's not, like, where the show is going or what the show is, really, you know, so, um, which is fine because it's something different than I thought it would be. But um, a little more of that, I think, would have been cool in season one. And especially now that they're leaving Castellan, I, I doubt that that's going to be a focus going forward. You know, it doesn't seem like where the show's yeah. headed. So. I, I, I've kind of made my peace with, like, you know, that stuff isn't isn't going to happen in the show. Like, we're not going to get, like, the, um, you know, the hardcore racing elements, um, you know, the F-Zero <laughs> experience. Um, I'm... What I'm really hoping, I, I'm hoping, and I'd almost wager. Like I feel like this is just such a no-brainer that to me, um, and I'm an idiot, but like this is such a no-brainer that I think at celebration we get something about the racers, and I could see. In IDW, Star Wars Adventures style, like, prequel to Resistance about the racers. Like a, I don't know, 6, 12 issue miniseries just about the racers. Um, And I think that's, like, more likely as an IDW book with, like, that, like, super cartoony art style and stuff like the house style for idw star wars comics i think that would be perfect um or and this is more of a long shot but like we've talked about this so many times the the racer video game yeah yeah as you started describing that i was like god what if we could get the video game that'd be so good yeah Um, yeah, man. Either way would be great. I think that'd be really fun. And so, yeah, you're you're totally right. Like they could do a comic series that kind of gives us those those vibes that we were kind of hoping for, um, it, that we didn't really get from the show necessarily. Or a game would be perfect. Um, I didn't put it in the news because it basically got debunked. But uh, not debunked isn't the right word. But there was a, a little bit of hubbub earlier in the week about Lucasfilms 
or LucasArts uh, gaming division hiring again. Um, and, uh, you know, it was basically like, well, we haven't gone, the, the, the excitement or the, or the news part of it was like, oh, wow, maybe they're like kind of spinning that back up. And then it turns out like, well, it never went away. You guys just didn't really know that it was still around. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, which, you know, and I think a lot of people at Lucasfilm kind of presented that like, oh, you guys are dumb. Like if you paid attention, you would have known. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, well, EA makes everything. They make barely anything. Most of it sucks except for Battlefront. And, uh, you know, everything else is just like crappy cell phone games. And, um, you know, it really feels like LucasArts died and went away. So <laughs> sorry we're not like like combing through people's LinkedIn pages and stuff to know that LucasArts is still around. But it basically feels like you sold the license to EA and EA makes the games and LucasArts is not very involved, you know. Um, and And that's not to discredit any of the work that the people of LucasArts are doing. Because like if you look at a game like Battlefront, uh, it's gorgeous. The storytelling in it is really good. And as far as like the respect to the Star Wars property goes, it's extremely strong. You know what I mean? Like they, and I think that's essentially what LucasArts does now is, uh, that's what it seems like, is that they work with the the developers that are making Star Wars games to make sure the Star Wars elements of them are super solid. And I think they are doing an A-plus job of that um, as far as all that stuff goes. Like I never play a Star Wars game and feel like, oh yeah, well, you know, they don't really respect the property or they're not paying enough attention to the details and things like that. So as far as that all goes, um, they're doing a killer job. But um, one of the things that came from that story was that uh, a lot of the job listings at LucasArts specifically mentioned Switch development. And uh, I don't know if we're ever going to get any Star Wars games on Switch, but that was one of those things where I was like, if nothing else is really important or valid from this whole LucasArts like you know hiring uh story from earlier this week the fact that like switch development is mentioned in most of the job listings is I think hopefully possibly a good sign for some switch games so I don't think we're gonna hear anything at celebration about a Nintendo Switch Star Wars uh resistance racer game but uh it would rival the episode nine and uh Phantom Menace panels for most exciting development from Star Wars Celebration <laughs> for me if they did. So Yeah, um, I think like something also that we saw, I don't even think we talked about it on the show, but like a few, uh, like a couple months ago, there was, um, I don't know if it was like a press release or like an article or something about um, plug and play versions of classic Star Wars games. And so, like, it was stuff like, I don't even remember what was on there, but, like, the SNES games, uh, like, Shadows of the Empire, Rogue Squadron, stuff like that, like, plug-and-play versions of those games, which, um, you know, I think it was, was it At Games who was doing it, Mm -hmm. which is, like, not a great um, (laughs) plug-and-play game machine maker. Um, Those are, like, those, like, kind of crappy ones you see in, like, the you know electronics aisles at like walmart and stuff that you're like wow this seems like a really good deal and like it looks really cool and then like you get it home and it like doesn't run how you remember um but uh but the fact that like they're licensing those out um those games out for like these plug and play devices gives me hope that like those games will end up on like you know um like Xbox Live and PSN and uh Nintendo eShop on the Switch like that will get those games 
in other places as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be And um, like I mean that would be like enough for me right now. <laughs> like um just give me some like old Star Wars games on a console that I have hooked up. Yeah. A collection, you know, something like that would be great. So Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um last thing on No Escape Part Two, uh rest in peace. Captain Von Reg, we hardly knew you, you mm. know, but uh, the fabled red stormtrooper from that was so exciting when we were first seeing, you know, <laughs> material from from Resistance is uh, in and out. So we still got the gold. He was shot down by Cass. Yeah, by Cass. He was he was on Yeager's uh, tail, and uh, mm-hmm. and Cass shot shot him down, and uh, that prompted Yeager to say, "Boy, that kid can really fly," or something like that. You know, so, um, <laughs> yeah, that that was emphasizing Cass's. Uh, prowess as a pilot there so and as a friend ryan i think as well you know yeah. so a loyal friend uh no it was a good moment but um you know I, it wasn't much of a character it's like the boba fett type thing sorry if that offends anybody but uh you know von reg is essentially uh, a cool costume so more than a character yeah so. unfortunately that's also what phasma became in the sequel tr- trilogy, which I mean, for better or worse, like that's just they're just our characters like that in Star Wars that just look cool and get killed. Um, but I mean, even in this show, like I feel like uh, Pyre is much more of an actual character than Von Reg was. You know, yes. I mean? so you you mm-hmm. can develop a character like this more. That uh, I don't think uh, Von Reg was really the one that they were aiming to do that with, which uh, makes sense now that we see that he is a uh, toast at the end of this episode. So. So he's like the only major character casualty in season one. Yeah. Like, I, so. I mean, I, I say he's a major f- character because, like, there's an action figure for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, which, so probably go out and get that action figure now um, if you want it. Yeah. They're not going to be making any more for season two. No. Uh-uh, probably uh-uh, not. Uh-uh. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. So, uh,. Well, why don't we jump into talking about our predictions and hopes for season two? I mean, we've pretty much wrapped up discussion of, of uh, No Escape Part 1 and 2. So um, the the episode ends with them in hyperspace traveling somewhere except for it was supposed to be Dakar where the resistance base is. But um, Niku screwed up the <laughs> the hyperspace instructions or whatever, the, the, the map um, or the coordinates. And so he doesn't know where they're going. According to Niku, they could be either really close to Dakar or somewhere unfathomably far away from it. So Yes. (laughs) We have no idea where they're going. That was like an exciting and surprising moment too, I think. Because first you're like, oh, they're going to Dakar. Like, okay, I can predict 80 things that are going to happen right now. And then Niku's like, no, actually we're not. And it's like, wow, okay, cool. Now I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I my feeling before the episode aired was like I think they're going to go to Takodana, you know, because um, Aunt Z and uh, and hype. yeah, hype were there or went there, and it just to me it just kind of made sense that that's where they'd go. So um, now that they're not going there, I, I really have no idea where they might end up. Um, I don't think they did. I mean, because we've only seen a couple planets in the sequel trilogy, you know, and uh, I don't think they're going to Jakku. I don't think they're going to Takodana at this point, although I guess they could. Um, I don't think, you know, they're not going to be going to Crate or, you know, I mean, I don't know where they could be going, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions. Um, okay, first of all, I want a 
one shot or three issue comic series of what happened with hype and Aunt Z <laughs> at Takodana. That'd be awesome. Like I I want that. Yeah. Uh, I want that story. I will pay four American dollars per issue uh, for that. Uh-huh. Um, I hope we get that. Now, um, I think there are some questions of like, what are the Colossus's uh, abilities? As in, um, like, how long can it stay flying? Could it just be like a, a ship that's, you know, just hanging out? Um, in space or does it need to like land somewhere and does it need to like land in water and i think like if it needs to land in water like obviously like jakku is um yeah that's not gonna happen um takodana becomes like a like really a more probable candidate um and then or it could be like a totally new world like castellan was you could or could it be batu it could be it could be batu i think like that it could be yeah i don't see why it couldn't be batu right i mean um yeah Batu is totally set in the sequel era you know what i mean like or it's not set it's a planet that exists but i mean like all the storytelling around batu seems to be set in the sequel era. Uh, like we talked about that preview for the Delilah S. Dawson book. You know, that's like post, seems like that story is taking place post um, post uh, Last Jedi, you know? So uh, I guess that made it sound like though, like Leia sent uh, Vi uh, out there and she found Batu. So it'd be a little weird if like Kaz and everybody also found Batu <laughs> at the same time or whatever, but. I, th- I think we're all going to be finding Batu in, in, in 2019, 2019 that's true i mean yeah. that's well said ryan that is that is definitely true <laughs> um, so so yeah i guess uh you know i don't know where where they might end up going but i think it is pretty exciting to to not know that being said i would imagine that uh about two weeks from now a little over two weeks from now um we will know uh <laughs> like two weeks from tomorrow is that no it can't be two weeks from tomorrow three weeks from tomorrow whatever monday uh of the resistance panel it must be three weeks from tomorrow right doesn't matter. Anyways, we're going to find out more about Resistance at the Resistance panel, the final day of Star Wars Celebration. And uh, I can't imagine they could talk too much about Season 2 without sort of saying, this is where they go, you know? Um, so we'll probably find out then. But Yeah. I'm, I wonder if it'll... <laughs> I wonder if it'll be a place with... Uh, like, we're obviously talking about places with water, but I wonder if it'll be a place with space whales. Oh, I don't think so. You know that's going to happen. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I think that it will happen in the sense that they will, they will tell an Ahsoka Ezra Thrawn story, but I don't think they'll try to shoehorn that into resistance personally. And I really, really hope they don't like very strongly hope they don't like so strongly hope they don't like, please don't. If you're listening, just don't do that, please. Like, Resistance can be its own show. Like, it does not have to get tangled up in... Don't do that. <laughs> do not. <laughs> you are not stopping Dave Filoni from this. No, but I just think... You know that's been the plan the whole no, time. No, no, I think the it's plan is... so happening. No, he's probably directing, like, a full-on um, movie 
animated movie for Disney Plus, you know, telling that story or creating a new series telling that story, I don't think it's going to be like a, I don't think so. I really hope not. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I, okay, so let's see. Um, I'm trying to think about like the end of Rebels. Was it just, it was just Thrawn and Ezra on that ship? Yeah. Okay. And then um, a couple of years later, then uh, Ahsoka and Sabine head off to try to find him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I would like to see, um, like, Sabine and Hera and Ahsoka, like, in the um, Resistance art style, because I think they're, like, cool-looking characters, but... I don't, there's, they'd be, like, super old. Well, I mean, yeah, sort of. They'd be about the same age as Luke Skywalker. Ahsoka would be older than that, I think. Ahsoka would be super old. But yeah. uh, Sabine and Ezra are essentially, the, you know, same age as Luke. So they'd be. What What is um, Ahsoka's race? Tortunga? Tor- Tor- yeah. Tor- Tortuga. Tor- yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like, she's a, she's a shock T. Mm-hmm. And um, I I don't know like what their uh, their lifespans and everything are, right. and yeah. like how they age. I don't think we've ever seen an old one. It would be weird though for a humanoid species like that, or like a, I don't know if you'd call them a humanoid species or not, but uh, I think so. You know, um, for a species like that to like age at a really different rate than like human characters do, because I just feel like there'd be some cognitive dissonance seeing like Ahsoka look like she's still like twenty five years old, but then. Sabine and Ezra are like in their 60s you know or like late 50s or whatever like I just feel like that would seem strange you know like Ahsoka was frozen in time and they weren't and you can do that with a Wookiee or something but I don't know if you can do that with like a humanoid type character you know yeah well we'll find out in season two of I don't think we will I don't think we will. Um, (laughs) also like um the the Chiss Thrawn like how's he gonna age yeah that's another good question I don't know but I'll tell you what here's how we could handle it just not having it take place in the resistance timeline. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I don't personally ever need to see that story myself, but I know that it's going to be told, so that's fine. But uh, I don't want it to be told in resistance. I mean, I think the bigger question is, how does Maul fit into (laughs) all of this? All right. um, I'm thinking maybe we've reached the end of this episode as Ryan is now um, just entered into trying to make me mad territory. So uh, that's probably going to do it. Um, We'll no doubt be talking about where season two is going in a couple of weeks because maybe maybe Maul could have like his lower half replaced with like a giant bee stinger Mm -hmm. and he could be like flying around. Mm hmm. What yeah. about that? If you're interested in guest hoping, uh, guest hosting the episode where we talk about Resistance Season 2 with me, um, since Ryan <laughs> is just here to uh, <laughs> to troll me, uh, let me know. Uh, no. Now, we'll be talking about Season 2, I'm sure, going forward. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Like, this, this was... It was... In some ways, like, I wasn't surprised um, because I think, like, the show did, like, a really good job of, like, drip-feeding the clues. Mm-hmm. But, like, I wasn't disappointed because, like, I felt like everything happened the way it should, which is, like, kind of kind of weird. But, like, I was like, oh, yeah, that, would, that actually was really well put together. Like, and I do think it ended season one on a really strong note. And I think, like, the show has been, like, its absolute strongest for, like, 
I don't know, like the last eight episodes. And I feel like we're in a really good place going into season two. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my, my, I, don't, I wouldn't even say fear, but I think what they need to do if they want to make the show kind of catch on with more and more Star Wars fans is uh, I'm, I'm okay with like how they decided to structure season one, which was like sort of these like world building episodes about different characters that were pretty low stakes. But there were so many of those, you know, for the first part of season one. And that was really what the show was built around. Um, I think they need to just like keep their foot on the gas pedal, so to speak, in season two um, in, in terms of like having the, the, the focus of the show be more on the the issues that people care about and less on like, well, we're going to introduce like some blonde haired, you know, um, skeezy friend of, of potential friend of Kaz and they'll, oh God. they'll, you know, he'll end up stabbing Kaz in the back, but you, it won't have any other like consequence to the larger plot of the show or anything like that. Like they can't you do don't too, know that. They can't do that. Too... Dude could come back as like a first order officer. Well, he's voiced two. by Eli- uh, by Elijah Wood, so I'm sure he will. But like my my point is just that like I I just don't want it to because you don't know a lot of the episodes in the first half of season one. You didn't really know why they mattered or what was important about them so much, and they were still enjoyable to watch and everything. But it just like. I felt much less compelled to make sure I was watching as soon as I could with a lot of the episodes in season one. I mean, you didn't even watch a lot of them until you had to like catch up on it because you were just like not really mm. feeling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now that we're hooked and we're really into the show, um, I just hope that they don't go back to too many episodes like that that feel really low stakes. Obviously, you don't have to maintain the tension level of like the last five episodes of season two because you can't always be there, you know? But um, I think it needs to be more focused on the First Order and on the Resistance and, you know, that kind of thing and less on sort of like let's just drop in little elements of different sorts of things that we'll bring together in the end. It, it needs to feel like it matters more throughout. And I'm sh- I think it will, you know. I think yeah. that it was about establishing the show in the first half of season one. And now that the show was mm-hmm. established, like hopefully we'll get a better sort of balance in terms of, um, how the episodes and the seasons are structured and laid out. So, Yeah, agree. Cool. Okay, well, let's wrap it up here, and uh, we will be back next week with uh, some more uh, discussion, no doubt of celebration, but then other things happening uh, in the world of Star Wars. We also have a special episode, I think, coming up sometime uh, next week as well, um, which, uh, well, maybe that'll be next week's episode. But we have we have something cooking here pretty soon for next yeah. week. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have uh, something fun coming up that way, and then we're we're going to be uh, very closely approaching Star Wars Celebration, and um, we're going to be having uh, Hella episodes releasing during uh, that period of time. So um, that should mm-hmm. be really really fun and content overload as far as the Blockade Runner podcast goes. Um, until then, you can follow everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Uh, please email us and let us know what you're thinking, questions, uh, comments, feedback, uh, show topics, whatever at uh, Blockade Runner Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. And Ryan, you are on Twitter at? Uh, Bronjorf, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, uh, all that stuff. Oh, Blockade Runner t-shirts and sweatshirts and Ooh. stuff like that. We have a new logo. And skate deck. And skate deck. Yeah. Um, uh, Blockade Runner, okay, threadless.com. Okay, threadless.blockaderunnerpodcast.com, I believe is the uh, address. It will be in the show notes. Um, but uh, we put together a bit of a new logo that I think looks a little better um, on a T-shirt. 
than our previous sort of logo type thing that we had. Um, we still have, but uh, we have a new, new logo. Looks pretty good on a shirt, I think. Uh, I ordered my, my hoodie last night, so I'll be rocking that at, um, at Star Wars Celebration. Um, and, uh, but you can order stickers, T-shirts, hoodies, long sleeve shirts, all that kind of stuff. Um, we do have a skateboard deck you could order. I don't expect anybody mm. to, um, <laughs> but uh, that does exist. Um, and um, I have not activated the fanny pack option. But I'm thinking about it. So I, th- if, I will order one if you activate that. Yeah, if you think we and sh- I will wear it all. I will wear it all celebration. If you think we should do a fanny pack, uh, comment on Twitter or on the episode on YouTube or uh, email us and let us know if you think we should do a fanny pack. But only if you're going to buy one. You know what I mean? I want to know if so, like if 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 anybody would actually spend actual money on a blockade runner uh, fanny pack. You let us know. I would. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, anyways, hopefully uh, uh, um, hopefully those shirts will, will be uh, coming in soon uh, our way, uh, my way, because I ordered one, and I'm excited to see what they look like. So we'll post up some pictures of the actual product when they, when they come in. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to do it. So thanks very much for watching and for listening, and uh, we will see you soon. Bye.